This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. I'm Shayna Roth, and this week I'm joined once again by Detroit News reporter Craig Mauger. Hello, Craig. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This was a jam-packed week in Michigan politics, and we'll get into what's going on in the GOP primary race for governor, which happens to include arrests. But first, we have to talk about a character in Michigan politics that's kind of gone a bit under the radar until now, Barry County Sheriff Dar Leaf. Craig, who is Sheriff Leaf? Uh, Sheriff Leaf is a very conservative law enforcement official in a relatively small county named Barry County in Western Michigan. He has been at the forefront of the effort to uh, reverse and investigate the 2020 presidential election in Michigan. And he has been apparently somewhat quietly uh, working with county uh, election officials and local election officials or attempting to work with them to gain access to voting machines uh, in his area. So let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, As you mentioned, Leaf has been looking into, using heavy air quotes, the 2020 election uh, that went for President Joe Biden. I've said it before. I will say it again and again and again. There is zero evidence of widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. Biden won. I hate that we have to keep saying that. But this week, Leaf's efforts got a little complicated. What happened to him specifically this week? Yeah, so this week, we came to the understanding through working through our sources at the Detroit News that Sheriff Leaf and an attorney who has been working with him on his investigation named Stephanie Lambert are actually the subjects of an ongoing law enforcement investigation that's happening with Attorney General Dana Nessel and the Michigan State Police. We have been trying to nail down that investigation for a couple of weeks now. And then as we were asking Stephanie Lambert, uh, Dar Leaf's attorney about this over a period of days, Dar Leaf came out with a lawsuit, filing a lawsuit in court against Dana Nessel and the state police, saying that it's them who are interfering with his investigation into the election. This is widely viewed as kind of a preemptive move by the sheriff to try to get ahead of whatever investigation Dana Nessel and the state police are doing into him. What an amazingly wild situation. And if listeners are like, well, is that, I don't fully understand that. It is just that wild. You have a sheriff trying to get ahead of an investigation into him by suing the state's top law enforcement official, Dana Nessel. The investigator becomes the investigated. Yeah, it's that me. It's the it's that uh, meme of the two Spider Men pointing at each other. Who's in? Who's investigating? <laughs> who here? That's where we're at right now. So this is more significant because of what it showed about Attorney General Dana Nessel's investigation into unauthorized access to voting machines. Right? Talk about what's going on there. Yeah, I mean uh, the the filing, the lawsuit that Darleaf put forward gave us a lot of new information about what Attorney General Nessel is doing with this investigation. State officials are probing who is behind the effort of Darleaf and others to investigate the election. We know kind of on the surface that there are a handful of places in this state, Barry County being one, Roscommon County being another, where people were granted what appears to be unauthorized access to our voting machines. And what state officials are trying to figure out is who was behind this effort? Who funded this effort? Are these different instances connected? How high up 
does this push to get access to Michigan's voting machines go? We had an interview with Jocelyn Benson recently, and she said officials are trying to, quote, connect the dots. That's where we're at right now, and it's going to be fascinating to see what comes of this over the next couple of months. Before, before we move on from LEAF, we have to talk about this affidavit. Again, I'm going to use heavy air quotes that Leaf attached to his lawsuit. And we have to talk about it because I think it really illustrates just how sort of far outside the bounds of normal Leaf and his supporters are playing. It's a handwritten statement that says, quote, I, Sheriff Darleaf, have been working on an investigation reference election fraud and or election law violations since on or about November 3rd, 2020, Sheriff Darleaf, Barry County. And then he signed it. What is that? I mean, it's it's absolutely stunning. The sheriff is filing a handwritten affidavit that isn't even written in you know straight lines. It's kind of all <laughs> over the place. Uh, it, it's stunning. But it, but when you look at the trajectory of what the sheriff has been doing, it's not that stunning. His investigation into the election was started by a police report that was filed by someone that worked for his sheriff's office at one time, and basically the report said, "I believe there was fraud in the election." And that's what has launched his entire probe that has now gone on for over a year, a year and a half into the 2020 presidential election. There was another point in all of this where he filed a lawsuit that was basically immediately thrown out in the federal court because the judge said that there was nothing to the allegations that Darleaf was making. So, I mean, this is just another in a string of surprising twists and turns in what is quietly going on in Michigan. So as I said earlier in the show, the GOP primary race has had yet another massive shakeup. You thought half the candidates getting thrown out because of fraudulent signatures was big? Well, huh, not so fast. Republican gubernatorial candidate Ryan Kelly was arrested on Thursday for misdemeanor charges related to the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Craig, you came to my neck of the woods when this happened. Kelly lives in Allendale, which is just outside of Grand Rapids, and he was arraigned in a federal court in Grand Rapids. What happened? Yeah, I mean, absolutely amazing. Again, you have Ryan Kelly, who is now being charged with four misdemeanors. They each carry a, a possible maximum sentence of a year behind bars. And it all is connected to the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Authorities came out with these documents, and some of this was already known from videos that were circulating on social media, that Ryan Kelly was there at the Capitol on January 6th. He was standing on different uh, kind of structural features of the Capitol, motioning to people, calling on people to press forward to the Capitol. So the authorities are charging him with crimes like disorderly conduct, being in a restricted area of the Capitol, and immediately... This has elevated Ryan Kelly into some type of new hero uh, status among the most hardcore supporters of Donald Trump in the state. There was a crowd of 40 people, more, probably more than 40 when it was all said and done, who had gathered outside the courthouse for after this initial hearing when Kelly came out. They were cheering for him. The state's Republican attorney general candidate, Matt DiPerno, was there and kind of embraced Kelly as he was leaving. This is uh, the, the twists and turns in this gubernatorial race are just are something else. And we still have, you know, like 50 days until the primary election. I mean, I feel like this this is the script for a movie that no one would believe. That's that's where I'm at with this right now. 
it's just all seems so impossible just when you think, okay, that's the big thing. Another thing happens. And for Kelly, I mean, this could take him out of the race, but it hasn't yet. And like you mentioned, in the meantime, he's getting support. And I feel like his name recognition is going to go through the roof. And there are plenty of Republicans who view these investigations and charges stemming from the January 6th riots as a sort of witch hunt. And so it sounds like this could actually potentially help Kelly in his bid for governor. I think it's uh, undoubted that this is going to help his bid in the primary race. I mean, I talked to so many Republicans yesterday as the news was breaking. uh, I was in the state Senate chamber and I was walking out of the state Senate chamber to drive to Grand Rapids for this initial court hearing. And a prominent, prominent Senate Republican said to me, yeah, this is going to help him. And he said, I wouldn't be surprised if all the other Republican candidates tried to get arrested in the next couple of days. So he joked. But this is where we're at. I mean, the, 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 the Republican primary voters widely view the investigation by federal authorities into January 6th as a witch hunt. Another Republican described it as a sham that I talked to yesterday. This is where the primary voters are at with this. We are in incredibly divided times. And if you are a Democrat and you look at this and you say, how can you not believe that this is a witch hunt? How can you believe that this is a witch hunt? If you're a Democratic voter and you're thinking that, I can tell you, you talk to Ryan Kelly supporters and they are standing there and they're looking at Democrats and they're saying, how do you not believe this is a witch hunt? I mean, we are so incredibly divided. We see the same facts to be two completely different, uh, to have two completely different meanings. And now you have Ryan Kelly who you'd think an arrest this close to an election would kill his campaign. We're actually in a moment in time where this is going to give new life to his campaign. He was having trouble really breaking through to the state. He hadn't raised much money. He had very little means to get his name out there to voters all across Michigan. He's going to be on news shows, you know, in the coming days. He's already on the front page of our paper for this arrest on the front page of many other papers. We're talking about him on this podcast. This is going to raise his name ID incredibly around the state, and he'll probably gain voters out of it for sure. Craig, it was a busy week. Did anything else happen? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff happening. I mean, I, this is this is two other things. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. Throw it out there. Yeah, you have James Craig announcing last night that he's going to run a write-in campaign for governor. That's a huge story in normal times. And also... There was other news this week that in a normal year would probably be one of the biggest political stories of the year. The Secretary of State's office has referred to the Attorney General an investigation into two nonprofits linked to the Senate Majority Leader of our state Senate, Mike Shirky. That You know this. You've covered the legislature for a long time. That would be the biggest story some years. Huge. And now Huge. it's just it's just... It's just it had a couple hours where it was the main thing. And now we've all moved on to other things. I don't think maybe people are understanding how unprecedented these times are that we are living in in Michigan at this moment. Well, let's remind people or tell people who didn't even catch it when it happened. What happened with with the investigations by the secretary of state's office? Yes. So there there have been claims from uh, a variety of elections lawyers that this campaign unlocked Michigan that sought a, a petition campaign to limit Governor Whitmer's powers, that they had been taking money from nonprofits and the nonprofits had been raising the money from elsewhere and the nonprofits were essentially serving as a shield 
to hide the release of these donors' identities. So if I gave $5 to Unlock Michigan, they would list me in a disclosure. But if I give $5 to a nonprofit that then gives the $5 to Unlock Michigan, it doesn't have to be disclosed because the nonprofits don't have to report that anywhere. So there were claims, these are the allegations, that these nonprofits, which are both connected to Senate Republicans, were serving as the shield against disclosure for donors to the Unlock Michigan campaign. The Secretary of State's office finally this week said, yeah, we think the campaign finance laws were violated here and said, Attorney General Dana Nessel needs to investigate this for, quote, I believe it was possible criminal penalties. One of these nonprofits essentially works with Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky. It's a nonprofit he's raised money for. He claims, you know, he says, I don't manage this nonprofit. I don't own this nonprofit, which are probably true, but he's raising money for it. And it's clearly operating to try to advance his political goals. Uh, and now, you know, these nonprofits in Michigan, you know, they operate in secret. They raise millions of dollars. They try to influence our campaigns. It's very difficult to ever pierce the veil of who's behind these nonprofits, where they're getting their money, what they're doing. And now for what will be potentially, you know, this could be a landmark situation where Nestle, the attorney general, a Democrat, can dig into these nonprofits' bank records, can figure out who's donating to them. This could uncover an element of Michigan politics that we have never had the ability to see before. Unprecedented times. Indeed. That might even be putting it lightly. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Craig Mogger with the Detroit News. Thank you so much for joining me once again on Mishmash. It's been lovely having you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. I love being on the show. Thank you.